Welcome to Freedom Podcast. Today we continue our series, The Vow. Wedding vows are more than a declaration of love. They hold the keys to a strong, lasting marriage. That podcast starts right now. Good morning. I appreciate my husband giving that disclaimer. I want to just kind of reiterate that. If you have a child that is maybe younger than middle school age, like elementary school, they should be in Freedom Kids this morning because we're gonna talk about some stuff that um, isn't an easy conversation. I find it kind of funny that I'm the one talking about it. <laughs> but, um, but God is good, and, and I believe that the Lord is going to use this message to stir some things in our heart that need to be addressed. And if we're not addressing these issues within the church, who is? Who's addressing them? Who's talking to us about them? Who's talking to our kids about this? And so this stuff is important. Um, My message this morning is called Affairs of the Heart. And I'm really dry, so bear with me. Okay. Can you remember back to your wedding day? My wedding day is burned into my mind. I can remember so many details of that day. I can remember it pouring in the morning as I went to go get my hair done. I can remember I can remember half of our family getting lost and we didn't know until after the ceremony was over. I can remember that my bouquet was so stinking heavy that it had a weird handle. It wasn't like a straight up and down because I had ordered calla lilies. I love calla lilies. I had white roses and calla lilies, but the handle you had to hold like this. Well, I didn't want my arm to be like this walking down the aisle, so I had to hold it like this, and it was so heavy that it was shaking. People were like, oh, honey, you were so nervous. I'm like, no, it was so heavy. (laughs) My wrist wasn't strong enough to carry it down. (laughs) I can remember details. I can remember the look on my husband's face as I walked up the aisle. I can remember our vows to one another. If you're not married, maybe you can imagine like every girl does, like what your wedding day is going to be like. And guys, we do that. I had a, had a list by like fifth grade of what it is that I wanted, who I was looking for, those attributes that were important to me. And my list changed as I grew and my color schemes of my wedding changed as I grew. And as the decade changed, thank God, right? But if you're not married, you can imagine, maybe, what that day would be like. But nobody imagines ruining their wedding. You don't imagine ruining this, this blessed union. You don't imagine that marriage falling apart You don't walk down that aisle deciding that you're gonna place something else before God and and your your partner. You don't imagine this. You don't imagine yielding a power so strong that it's gonna just tear apart your family. Nobody imagines this. But from the very beginning, that's what the enemy decided he was going to do. He was going to cause a division between man and woman and between man and God to divide us from our creator. That was the enemy's ultimate plan. I've heard it said before, and I, and I, and I hold on to this, before it became a deed, it became a seed. And we see that this is the way that the enemy works. And so we're gonna dive into scripture. If you're taking notes, man, I, I pray that you are because you're gonna to wanna to write down, I have a lot of scripture. I believe that the word of God is what we need. My words should be few and God's words should be 
all that we need. But if we look in Genesis 2, where we've been throughout the value, you've, we've, we've, we have talked about this verse. On verses 24 through 25, let me get this out. My tongue is like tied this morning. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. So here's this word, shame, is introduced. And when we look at the word shame, the original word was boosh. And it meant to be ashamed or to feel completely worthless. Here in the very beginning of creation, God creates man for woman and woman for man, and he puts them together, and there was absolutely no shame. There was no point that they felt worthless to one another. And some of us think about shame as like, oh, they're naked and they don't know, and then all of a sudden their eyes are open, and we're like, oh, I can't see you. They're husband and wife. They were intimate with one another. But there was no feeling of worthlessness. So this morning in continuing in the vow series, we're going to talk about the importance of purity. Why is purity important? Especially if I'm already married, why, why is this even in a conversation? Well, we see that man and, and woman were a union and that there was no shame until they took the forbidden fruit. All of a sudden, the pureness in that relationship, the pureness that they had between one another was lost. And shame enters the scene, taking what was good and holy and corrupts it. So let's move on over to Genesis 3. And we're going to look, I only have verses 7 and then 9 through 10, but I'm going to read through 8 as well. Because I I believe this this whole clip from 7 through 10 is so important. It says, then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together, and they made coverings for themselves. And then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid. I was naked, so I hid. Vow number three. I promise to confide in you and not hide from you. The Lord God, who had an amazing relationship with Adam and Eve, shame came into the scene. And they heard God walking. And instead of crying out, oh God, we did something so bad, they hid because the, the feeling of complete worthlessness started to overtake. And in our partners, we cannot hide from our partners. We cannot hide things from one another. Instead, God has given us that helper, that help me to confide in the most deepest parts of our lives. That's what God has given us. First him, And then our spouse, right? Just like the other message that we heard that God needs to be number one. But God has given you a helpmate. And if you hide from them, if you have secrets from them, that's where the enemy divides. Shame causes us to hide in our sin. 
we hide, we try to cover it, we try to sow our own fig leaves to say, I don't want anybody to see this because it's so dark, it's so dirty, it's so ugly. And so we try to hide and cover it. See, the enemy loves to use sin and struggles to label us that we would identify with that, but God has never seen you as that. He's never labeled you. He doesn't label us at all. He calls us his own. So we have to choose though. We come to a point, a crossroad in our life and we have to decide, am I going to live this path or by the grace of God, am I gonna rise above it? Because with God, all things are possible, right? And I love how Greg Rochelle puts this. He says, secrecy is the enemy of intimacy. If you want to have true intimacy in your marriage, healthy intimacy, there can be no secrecy. Secrecy will kill your marriage. And I love how Ephesians, Ephesians 5 8 through 11, it says this, and this is, I think, just a great way to encapsulate exactly what we're going to go into today. It says, for you were once in darkness, but you are the light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord, and have nothing to do with fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. Have nothing to do that has Nothing to do with God, right? So like everything that is dark, everything that is dirty has nothing to do with God. That's why there's, that's why we feel shame is when we're in that and you cannot grow in darkness. And guess what? Here's a great, here's great news. We once were all in darkness. You're not alone. When we give our lives to Christ, he calls us out of darkness and he calls us into his marvelous light, right? So what's done in darkness is not of God because sin is dark and sin isolates. God exposes it. And if you wanna grow in your faith, you can't keep coming back to the same area, the same darkness, you won't grow there. And this is where God is gonna hold us accountable to the things in our lives that are out of order or that don't look like him. Ephesians 5.3 tells us, that we must not even have a hint of sexual immorality in us. And this morning with affairs of the heart, guess where I'm going? Right? Sexual immorality, right? So that's the kind of sins that we're going to kind of examine today. Things that will easily affect and change your marriage forever. Because it's the dark things, it's our secrets that we try to keep hidden that destroys us. So... How do we safeguard our marriage? I'm glad you asked. Number one, expose the sin. This one's hard because nobody wants to come out from the figs completely naked in front of everybody, right? It's a horrible feeling to be exposed. But this is what I tell my, my children you will not get away with sin. I tell them, your mama listens to the voice of the Lord. I said, your mama has some discernment and I know when something's off. I said, know that the Holy Spirit will tell on you all the time. So before you start acting out in this sin, know that God's talking to me already. 
my boy's eyes are like, what? <laughs> and it's the truth. It is the truth. Now, some things you find out later than what you want to. But when it's, when it's something bigger, I can tell when there's something off. Trust that discernment that the Lord has given you. Numbers 32, 23, Luke 12, 2, and 1 Corinthians 4, 5, they tell us that which is hidden will be brought to light. And that's what I told my kids. Everything that you do, you can only hide it for so long. And yeah, sin, you can hide for a season, but it exposes itself because God loves you too much to let you remain there. He loves you way too much to let sin remain there. But that issue of secrecy and lies, it plagues our our marriages. And in one area specifically that I'm going to talk about this morning is the P word, pornography. This is a big one. Because I know that there are many, many people who struggle with pornography. And it is something that needs to be talked about within the church. It's not okay. It entraps you. It steals, it distorts. What God intended as good and holy turned it into something cheap, disgusting, it's heartbreaking. And let me tell you this, it's a counterfeit. It's a counterfeit to true intimacy. It's a counterfeit to who your spouse really is. It's a counterfeit, it's stealing. So I'm gonna give you some stats on pornography, you ready? I had to take breaks while I was writing this message because it was so overwhelming, it was so dark, and it was so heavy that I had to like walk out of my office and say, okay, I need a breather because it's just so daunting. It's so heavy. It's so terrible. And I also had to let my husband know that, hey, I'm researching things on pornography. Just so you know, on my computer, I'm not bringing up pornography, but I'm bringing up a lot of stats. (laughs) But here, here it is. The pornography industry is larger than the revenues of the te- te- top technology companies combined. Are you ready? Microsoft, Google, Amazon, eBay, Yahoo, Apple, Netflix, Earthlink. It's bigger than all of those combined. Because every second, there's over $3,075 being spent on pornography. Every second. This needs to break our hearts, church. 47% of families in the United States report that pornography is a problem in their home. 47%, that's half of our families. Married couples that are watching pornography, they are increasing their risk of divorce by 200% and 300% for infidelity. And actually, women are more likely to act out. If they're involved in pornography use, they are more likely to act out on it and have an affair because they've emotionally connected with something. It's more than just a visual sight. The average age of a child, and this is what is so important, parents. The average age of a child that they are first exposed to pornography is 11. And by, not, and by the age of 14, 94% of your children will be exposed to it or have seen it. 
we cannot be naive because it's a lot more accessible than someone's Playboy's stash somewhere now. Our kids are walking around with it in their back pocket. They have complete access, quick access. 41% of Christian boys ages 13 to 24, they use porn once a month. 64% of Christian men 64% of men use porn once a month. And 15% of Christian women use porn once a month. I'm not even going into the worlds because those numbers are a lot higher. But that is troubling. If you call yourself a Christian, what are you doing on your computer? What are you doing on your phone? Why am I bringing this up? Because sexual addiction is real. And it needs to be addressed here because I'm tired of seeing marriages destroyed. I'm tired of seeing our young people give up their virtue for a few fleeting moments of pleasure. I'm tired of seeing millions of babies aborted every year because pregnancies are unwanted. It's time to overcome the sin and send it back to the pit from which it came. Come on. You can say amen to that. I know I'm not going to get a lot of amens here. I know this is uncomfortable. This is really like, oh, why are we talking about this? Because I believe Jesus wants to set some people free. Right now, human trafficking is at an all-time high. It's the fastest growing organized crime activity that there is. Because 70% of those transactions are happening online. Statistics show that porn users demand a constant stream of new and increasingly violent content. In order to keep up with that demand, women and children become prostituted and trafficked. We have a pornography problem. So now we have a human trafficking problem. But before any of these deeds happened, where was it? It was a seed that was planted by the enemy. It's a very deep trap. And Satan loves to use sexual immorality to take over your thought life. The enemy, that's what he does, is he lies. He lies because what was created as pure and good and holy is now what? And so many of us say, well, I, I, never, I never would cheat on my spouse. I, I love my spouse too much. So I'm going to just draw the line there. I'll never cheat on my spouse. But what about the lines that need to be drawn that protect you from that road? Because what we do is we just inch up to that line. We inch up to that line. And I'm not crossing that line because I didn't go out on my spouse. But before you went to bed, you were viewing something in another room that you shouldn't have been. Or maybe you were chatting with somebody online or texting someone that you've just been growing a relationship with. It's innocent. It's innocent, right? Or maybe you're becoming closer with a, a friend that's the opposite sex where you're like, no, this is my buddy. This is my pal. But you're, you're confiding in your friend and not your spouse. See, these are lines that slowly get crossed and slowly get crossed before you realize, like, I don't even know how I got here. Ladies, books and movies that portray that epic love scene 
but what you don't, but what you know is, is that they're cheating on their spouse, or they make it just seem so intriguing and so exciting. This love affair is trash, and I tell my kids, trash in equals trash out, garbage in equals garbage out. I love what Jesus, Jesus, he just he calls us to a higher standard. When Jesus talked about this subject, he went even as far as to say, if you even look at anybody lustfully, you've already committed adultery in your heart. So where's that line? Where's that line then? So I'm gonna give you some tips. In order to expose sin, this is what needs to happen. Are you ready? Super easy, but super hard. Confess sin. First, confess the sin. James 5, 16, it tells us to confess our sins to one another. 1 John 1, 19 says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and he will forgive us our sins and purify us. There's that purity. He will purify us from all unrighteousness. Now, confession is not easy. It, is, it, it leaves you feeling vulnerable, but there's always a consequence for our choices. That's what I tell my kids. There's a consequence for everything. And though you might have to confess your sin, there's still a consequence that naturally happens for the choices that you made. Do you think that's any different for us because we're adults? No. God disciplines those he loves. He loves you. And God already knows your sin. He's just waiting for you to confess it. And he will make a way for you to get out of it. But you also need to confess your sin to your spouse. Your spouse needs to know if you're struggling. Your spouse needs to know that you need help. Be prepared. You're gonna work through some pain. You're gonna work through some hurt. And yeah, there's pain in confession. And your spouse might feel really hurt. And might feel rejected and angry. But your fear of that, if that's holding you back from confessing, you're gonna live the same trap over and over. Confessing releases that from you. I know it's a delicate subject. And sin is gonna take you so much further than you ever planned on going. But that will hold on to you and it's not gonna let go until you decide that no longer does it have power and grip on you and you say no more. Sin cannot isolate me. It's gonna discourage you. It's trying to hold you bound. But if we confess our sins, it loses its power. It loses its restraint on you because it's time for you to break the curses. And then maybe this is a generational thing. Maybe you got involved in pornography because your family was involved in pornography and you stumbled into it as a young kid. And it's just been a thing that you like, some days you got it and some days you don't have power over it. Some days it's like, I got this. I can, I can make my mind forget about it. And then what happens when you feel lonely? What happens when you feel angry or you feel hurt? or you feel depressed. Sin loves to comfort you. But it, it, it's fake. It's a mirage. Because it doesn't really bring you comfort. Because how do you feel afterwards? Hmm. And I think we really need to call it for what it is. It's a demonic stronghold. You know, and I don't put a devil on everything, but this one does get one. I know because I've seen it. I've seen the demon attached to this sin. 
And you need to be able to call it forth and call it out. And, and um, if, if you just want to be free, you can be free. But you have to ask Jesus for this freedom. It is a stronghold and it hurts people and it hurts your marriage. But when you confess it with your mouth, you can find freedom because God never wanted you bound to begin with. He wants you free. Confess it. Second one, after you confess, you're gonna need to ask for forgiveness. With confessing, there needs to be true repentance. Sexual sins in the marriage can tear it apart very quickly if it's not dealt with correctly. But there's no sin that Jesus can't cover. Amen? The Lord cleanses us from our sins, and though they be like scarlet, he washes them white as snow. Only the power of God can do that. So forgiveness from a spouse, that might take some time. That one, that one, there's gonna be some issues that need to be worked through, especially if they're finding out unexpectedly. When trust is broken, it takes time to heal. But with grace of God, he can heal and he can restore. The third one is create, create a support network. Okay, guys especially, don't tune me out on this one. Many people feel that they can overcome their addiction on their own. Very few can. It takes support, it takes accountability, and guidance to overcome strongholds. In order to turn from your ways of addiction and lust, you need to set yourself up for success and someone to hold you to it, to ask the hard questions. Someone that's gonna be honest with you and someone that you can be honest with. You need someone that you're gonna trust. Someone who's gonna call you up and say, how you doing today? Have you been doing this? Someone that is going to ask hard questions. Someone who's going to see you through and is going to pray you through this. You need to find counsel. You don't have to walk alone because we as the body of Christ, this is what we're here. We're here to help one another. And also you have a pastoral staff who is trained in counseling these sorts of issues to walk through this with you, to help you navigate this. So first, we expose our sin. So that, and I gave you those three like subpoints to exposing the sin. Confess, ask for forgiveness, and get some accountability. The second one is put safeguards on your family, around you, around your family. Matthew 18, eight through nine, he, Jesus talks about this, and Jesus this was the high standard. He's like, hey, if sin is causing this, if your hand is causing you to sin, cut it off. If your foot's causing a sin, cut it off. If your eye's causing a sin, gouge it out. Jesus was extreme. We need to be extreme about this. I'm tired of seeing people play patty cake with the devil because that's what pornography is. It's like, I got this. This isn't a big deal. You're playing patty cake with the devil. Jesus like, cut it off. Cut the hand off if it's causing it. So you know what's gonna trigger your thoughts. Everybody has, knows their triggers. You know where your weak, part, your weak points are. So if the internet's causing you to stumble, get rid of it. And I know that one's hard because we live by the internet, don't we? I know I do. Every day, I need the internet for different things. But if it's causing you to stumble, get rid of it. 
if someone you're talking to is causing you to think impure thoughts or imagine or fantasizing your life differently with them than with your spouse, cut the relationship off. Come on now. Put safety filters on your internet, on your phone. Don't be online late at night. Turn off the cable if that's the source. Stop browsing along aimlessly on the TV and the internet late in the evening. Parents, talk to your kids. Talk to your kids about their thought life because before it was a deed, it was a seed. And a lot of times this is where it begins. Please do not assume that your kid would not get involved in that kind of sin. Our kids are bombarded daily by sex. Our kids are bombarded daily by lustful thoughts. Turn on the TV, look at a commercial, you know what they're dealing with. And a young man who has hormones raging through him is gonna have a hard time to start deciding like, I don't know what to do with this. Average age where a kid starts seeing pornography is 11. Up to 14, where 90, what did I say, 94, 97% of kids have already been exposed to it. You gotta talk to your kids about sex. You need to tell them why it's important that they wait till they're married. Stop buying into the lie of the liberal agenda, okay? I hate that lie. Oh, they're gonna just do it anyways. Not in my house. Let's just talk about protection and birth control because we don't want them to get pregnant. No, I don't want my daughter to lose her virtue and just think that she can just lay down for any man who calls her pretty. My daughter's worth more than that. My sons, I want them to be mighty men of God who chase after God and not chase after a girl. And I might have the label, the crazy, what does Elijah call me, the crazy village woman? That's right. And I want all those little girls in middle school to know that I'm the crazy village mama. Why? Because I want my sons to chase after God. It's too easy to chase after lust. The enemy makes it too easy, but to chase after God, that takes some special talent. It takes some special love. Safeguard your kids. My son has a rule that the only time he's allowed to be on the internet is in the living room with mom and dad present or in the kitchen. Those are the only two rooms that he is allowed to use his phone. Safeguards. Safeguards. And don't think, oh, my kid goes to church. That's good enough. No. And do not think, oh, my kid's in Christian school or my kid's a homeschool. There's no way. No, there's a way. There's a way. Ask your husbands. Wives, if you don't believe me, ask your husbands what their thought life they had to deal with as a young boy. And girls aren't exempt either because we're seeing increasing numbers of of girls using pornography and girls using masturbation. These are issues that have to be talked about because these aren't just physical issues. These are spiritual issues over the mind. Some resources, just so you know. 
If you're wondering, well, how do, I put, how do I put safeguards on the phone? I'm not techie. I'm not either. But I know that through Covenant Eyes, there are programs that you can get on um, your home computers and on your phones. Um, there's Net Nanny. There's Triple X Church. Those are resources. Moms and dads, if your kids are struggling, start looking into these resources, not just as filters, but how to have a conversation with your kid about this. It's hard. They say that the man has a sexual thought every seven seconds. Good Lord. I can't even fathom that. That would be the whole day. And not every woman thinks that way. And so like, and I don't know how how accurate that is because literally that would be your whole day. But. Yes. See, you heard my husband talk about how many times a day he would prefer to have sex. And I had to sit up there like, oh my word, (laughs) two weeks in a row. (laughs) But I'm here to tell you, (laughs) guard your young boys' minds. Because if they are thinking about sexual thoughts that often, they are being consumed by it. Third point is transform your mind. Now this one takes time, especially if they're a young kid but they can start to learn young. Daddies, teach your young boys how to transform their mind. Mamas, teach your young ladies how to transform their mind. And how do you transform your mind? It's God's word. This is what transforms our mind. This is what leads us out of darkness. And the more that we seek him, the more that we are drawn towards him. Those sins that once held you bound, guess what? They will begin to be repulsive to you. It will disgust you because when you have the mind of Christ, you see sin for what it really is. His word transforms our minds. You begin, you ever hang out with somebody and you realize you start talking like them? You start saying the same catchphrases that they say? Come on, girl, you know what I'm talking about? Girl, right? We talked about that. (laughs) Well, guess what? The more time that you spend with God and the more you fall in love with him, the more you're going to look like him and talk like him and act like him. Psalms 119, 9 through 11. I, I love this verse. This was perfect. Write this verse down. Maybe hang it up in your kids' rooms. Hang it up on the mirror as they brush their teeth and they read this. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. Hide his word in your heart. Meditate on it day and night. How many of us could use that? just in our own lives, like that verse is so, that scripture is so powerful. There's nothing that we cannot overcome by the blood of the lamb. So Jesus already paid the price for every sin. And I don't want you to feel like, oh man, she's gonna have an altar call and I'm gonna have to like show everybody that I struggle with this and no. You think I'm crazy? No one will come to my altar call. <laughs> I do want to let you know that we have two amazing men pastors here that love you, that will not judge you, 
and that will walk with you through this. Ladies, I want to let you know that I love you and that there is nothing that is impossible for God. There is nothing too big. But you need to guard your heart and you need to guard your mind and you have to decide, am I going to live in the continual cycle of this sin or am I going to give it to God? Because it goes beyond just pornography. We talked about cutting off relationships that are not healthy, that could probably and most likely lead to, to infidelity in your marriage. Let's talk about premarital sex. We want to talk about the big sins, right? We're not even talking about what's happening. If you are not married and you're having sex, you're living in sin. Call it what it is. Sin is sin. And I'm tired of us sugarcoating it and say, well, they got the big sins and we got the little sins. No, sin is sin. And you don't have to be bound by it any longer because Jesus can set it you free. He can set you free from this stuff. You have to decide today, am I going to release this to him? And am I going to make the steps? And some of it, for some of you, it might be some hard conversations tonight when you go home. And I want to let you know, we are going to be praying for you. As a staff, we are going to be praying for you this week. Because God wants to heal and not hurt. But sometimes there's some hurt through truth, right? We're going, before we go to prayer... I want you to watch this spoken word and I pray that it ministers to you. I pray that God is nudging your heart because I believe God truly wants to set some people free. Amen.